Welcome back to the D1 Softball Podcast presented by S2 Cognition. Oh boy, softball continues to awe us and surprise <laughs> us and thrill us. I'm Gray Robertson. That's Tara Henry. We've got a great show coming up. Monica Abbott will be here. We're going to answer your burning questions about the top 25. So send those in the comments. Tara, how are you? I'm great. What a weekend. And I can't believe we're just through week three. Excited to talk about what happened because uh, a lot happened uh, this past weekend. A lot did happen, Tara. And we'll get to the leadoff in just a moment. But before we do that, tell the folks watching and listening a little bit about our friends at S2 Cognition. No, head on over to S2 Cognition. is It's an incredible um, just tool that any player can use to to learn how to identify pitches to learn how they actually see and think and how your brain uh, works in terms of uh, the sport of softball so head on over to s2 cognition uh, and let us know what you think gray and i are still waiting for uh our own two s2 cognition tests and that's going to be happening i think here pretty soon oh great i'm sure that'll go really well you know who it was all working for on sunday Yes. The Oklahoma Sooners. <laughs> Let's go to the leadoff. <laughs> Oklahoma was like, number two? What? <laughs> and just absolutely demolished UCLA on Sunday. It happened quickly. It happened aggressively for five innings. And there was no end in sight until... Things finally wrapped up in run rule fashion. Terry, you were there. The crowd looked phenomenal. What can you tell us about the Sooners beating up on the Bruins? You know, the big, bad Sooners, I think they're back and better than ever. Uh, I think people were worried that the Sooners weren't going to ever come back, but it didn't take too long. And I'd argue that that loss to Baylor uh, really helped get them in a mindset to come to out here to Palm Springs and really just get back to basics and watching that team during warmups, you know, walking to into the field at the Mary Nutter uh, to Wrigley, just jam packed. And gosh, the stadium was full. Uh, the, the bleachers in the outfield, they added more bleachers, completely full, 10, 12 deep on both sides down the line, an incredible atmosphere, a little chilly, uh, but uh, it's incredible. A tournament that was thought to be rained out, uh, only one game. They didn't get one game in the entire weekend, but just an incredible experience. And uh, watching that OU team, uh, like I said, I think they're back and better than ever. I can't help but roll my eyes a little bit about the little chilly part, but I know that it was snowing in California, so it's okay. I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let it slide. Uh, I think it was really impressive what the Sooners were able to do against Megan Faramo and watching that game before I had to go work women's basketball. I was really taken by how their game plan against her was pretty much the inverse of everything we've seen every other team try and do against Megan the Machine. She gets two strikeouts to start the game, and I'm like, oh, boy, the Wi-Fi is on. The Ethernet is plugged in. She's ready to roll. And then three straight hits with two strikes. They don't score in the first inning. But then they go on this great run of hits with two strikes and two outs in the second inning. It was really impressive as the Sooners were able to chase her really early in the game. 
Yeah, and Framo has 91 strikeouts on the year already. And for the Sooners to do what they did against her, it was clear they had a clear plan. But what the most interesting thing for me is you have two freshmen in the four spot for both of those squads uh, in Jocelyn Erickson uh, and Jordan Willery. So that tells you something about the talent on both sides. And Jocelyn Erickson, she's hitting 571 with 21 RBIs, two doubles and five home runs. This is a freshman in the four spot of the OU lineup. Then you go on the other side, Jordan Willery. Uh, she's hitting four, 435 with 17 ribbies, uh, seven doubles, and two home runs. So for both sides to have freshmen in that four spot, um, something to, to look at. And then can't say enough about Alex Starocco and her performance in the circle. Uh, you know, the rest of that pitching staff has struggled with free passes and Starocco uh, not giving up one walk and three hits to a very explosive UCLA squad that we've watched uh, every week of this 2023 season. Yeah, shout out to my friend from the summer, Alex Starocco. Alex, if you're out there. They're watching. I had some mega stuff Oreos earlier because of how well you pitch against UCLA. Uh, it, it was really impressive. It was good for her to get that big moment experience with the Sooners. And again, you know, they were just, they just did such a great job all weekend long of kind of reverting back to the Oklahoma offense that we saw last year, where against UCLA, they were just aggressive. They threw the first punch, they never stopped. But then I think of, you know, games like Texas AM, where the Aggies out hit Oklahoma. But AM committed a bunch of errors and the Sooners made him pay. And that was kind of the formula a good bit of last year as well. You know, the Sooners did take advantage of a lot of errors throughout the weekend at the Marionette. I sat during those games and, you know, Texas A&M Kennedy, I can't say enough about what she did in the circle for the Aggies. She did a nice job, but again, uh, a lot of miscues on defense uh, caused the Aggies to, to fall to the Sooners. But also, let's remember Kinsey Hansen in her debut back with the Sooners for her to go yard twice uh, in that game against UCLA, uh, two for four with five RBIs. I, I think the Sooners are happy to have her back behind the dish and her leadership. Anything else you want to touch on from Oklahoma UCLA before we ask a certain question? No, I think I think we covered most of it, unless you've got anything. I'm good. So now we just have one thing left to do. Yeah, and we've fine. already kind of spoiled it. We've got to ask. Where in the world is Tara Henry? She was at the Mary Nutter. We've talked about this. Tara, let's discuss all the other teams that you saw this past weekend in California. In particular, I think the Florida Gators, a concerning week out West, even though Skylar Wallace wasn't there, just not what you wanted to see from Tim Walton's squad. No. And, you know, that's an offense that gets going, you know, manufacturing runs. They're not going to hit a, a ton of home runs, but really, really struggled uh, in their trip out West. And I know there was some travel issues there and getting out to California, but gosh, they really struggled. And I would hope that they can go back to the drawing board. Just not really good at bats. Um, the pitching wasn't solid. Uh, I watched Hightower throw a little bit. She just wasn't sharp. There just seemed like something was off with the entire Gators squad. And um, it's something that we're going to keep an eye on because uh, for, for them to, to really struggle uh, this past weekend, uh, it was really tough to watch. But 
Um, there were a few bright spots uh, for the Mary Nutter as well. It wasn't just all gloomy. But Gray, I'll let you add some some more to the Florida Gators if you've got a few because I know you that's your that's your uh, SEC world. Well, I mean, I had a bunch of people over. We were ready to watch Florida <laughs> UCLA. We're like, oh, this this is going to be a great game. Everybody get excited. Bruins, Gators, top three matchup. Florida rolled out there and looked like they didn't have a plan against Megan Faramo, as opposed to what Oklahoma did. Florida was sitting there taking a lot of strikes and then swinging at uh, junk, honestly, outside of the zone. And the the shift, the whole shift situation didn't work. Uh, I got it early, you know. If, if Trilicek's hitting your spots and you're trying to get those ground balls, then sure. But they didn't go away from it when UCLA was up for nothing and had hit multiple triples and doubles in spots of the field that would have been flyouts had they not been playing the shift. So I, I thought that whole situation was strange, just very bizarre. And, you know, UCLA, I was like, okay, they've had some travel issues. Skyler's not there. You know, maybe it's just one of those nights. Then to follow it up by being one hit and shut out by Oregon, an Oregon team that has been as up and down as any team in the country and then getting walked off by Fullerton, just a, a very bizarre weekend that uh, shows what Florida needs. They need Lexi Delbray to be fully healthy, and they need Skylar Wallace there to anchor the offense. But when she's not there, because there are going to be some games where she's not going to get a hit or not going to get on base, everybody else has got to step up. And we did not see anybody else step up this weekend. I mean, to be fair, you got to you got to give credit to Tim if he's going to try the shift. I mean, it's pretty ballsy to try it <laughs> against uh, UCLA, but uh, for it not to work, and and that shift works if Trilicek does keep the ball down uh, in the zone. But as like you said, Gray, uh, I was shocked and surprised to see that, and then not to go away from it from where it not to work. But yeah, surprising weekend for the Gators. But they head out to UAB, and we'll see how they bounce back. Uh, and hopefully, Skylar Wallace. Um, uh, Gets, it gets well soon. All right. So what else at the Mary Nutter, Tara? I know there were a lot of good things that happened besides, you know, sunny weather on Sunday. Yeah, I, know, I was trying to get to those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the weather, it, it, it was raining pretty good when I got there for the Washington-Kentucky game, which was wild in itself, was tied all the way up to the inning. But um, I like to say, I, I think, gosh, Cal State Fullerton uh, – I think they had a great weekend there and really impressed with them. I voted for them in our poll this week, and I think they're going to give um, some people some issues uh, heading into the postseason. Again, that staff, it, it's like a 1.5 ERA at this this um, moment in time. But uh, Micah Sutherland, Haley Rainey, and Racy Miranda, uh, I'm really impressed with what they're doing there. And then you got – uh, Delgadillo at the top of that lineup and, and Hannah Becerra. I, I think what Kelly Ford's doing over there, I think she's got a good little squad going. So impressed with Cal State Fullerton and then Oregon. Uh, you know, we you said up and down with Oregon, but I watched Oregon this weekend and was really impressed. Stevie Hansen, uh, she was incredible in the circle. She went four and oh. Uh, Allie Bunker, she had two bombs in, in one game, and Tara McGowan had another home run. They had six home runs on the weekend, uh, beating Northwestern, Florida, Mizzou, and UC San Diego. So, again, impressed with the Ducks uh, and the Titans. Those were my two that I had my eye on this weekend. Yeah, Oregon, you know, they lost to Fulton, and then they beat Northwestern, Florida, and Missouri. So a good trip uh, out to Cathedral City. I want to talk a little bit about the Kentucky Wildcats. A interesting weekend 
in in a lot of ways. You know, the great win over Washington and extras. It's not it's not normal to see an 11-3 win in eight innings, but that's what we got in that game. But then some of the pitching decisions. Um, not not to <laughs> ask who's pitching for Kentucky, but I was surprised at when we saw Stephanie Schoonover this past weekend because it wasn't in the games where I thought she would pitch. You know, I I think that's a strategy. I think Rachel Lawson is going to save her bullets, and I think she's going to save her against teams that she potentially could see in the postseason. Uh, there's two schools of thought. You throw your your ace or your arm and challenge them early against good hitting teams, or you save them and hopefully when you get to the postseason, they haven't seen you so many times because as a hitter. Uh, your at-bats get a lot easier as you see more uh, at-bats against uh, an opposing pitcher. So I can see why she's doing it. Kentucky's scrappy. I like what they're doing there. Uh, I think they get things done. Again, I think another team that you don't know really know what you're going to get on any given day. But um, I'm okay with that strategy, and, and I think it might pay off heading into the postseason. We're going to do the most exciting game of the week a little bit later, but I do want to showcase the most exciting game at the Mary Nutter Terra, a game that you attended and you can talk about. Oh, yes. San Diego versus Cal Poly. Uh, extra inning game here. I was actually out in the outfield uh, talking to Ali Carta and Taraya Mims and Julie Burney, a, a little UCLA alum kind of gathering there, but gosh, back and forth, the game. And you can see this, this incredible uh, win probability that we have up on the site for every single game in division one softball literally goes by the out. So you can take a look and see uh, who was going to be probable uh, in winning this game. And it goes up and down Cal Poly it was back and forth and, um, International tiebreaker, uh, finally, uh, Barrett singled down the left field line uh, to get the win. But another uh, incredible tool on the site, head on over to d1softball.com, check out the win probability for every single game in Division One softball. And we will showcase the most exciting game overall of the week in just a little bit. This is the D1 Softball Podcast. That is Tara Henry. I'm Gray Robertson. Coming up in just a few minutes, the legendary Monica Abbott will be joining the show. But I also want to make sure that we let you know we're going to be answering questions about the top 25. The mentions were crazy today. Now is the <laughs> chance for you to ask two voters... So put them in the comments and we will answer your questions. So just send them to us and we will read them and answer them. Also, uh, I would be remiss if I did not point out that we do also have a promo code for you if you're tuning into this podcast, Podcast 20, on the wonderful website that is d1softball.com. That'll be 20% off of your annual subscription. Okay, Tara, is it time? It's time. It's time. Let's go to the cleanup hitter. Oh, man. 
Ladies and gentlemen, bow down. The legend is here. Monica Abbott, the All-American, the Olympian, the professional, everything you could ever be in softball, she has been. Monica Abbott, welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast. Thank you, you guys. Thanks for having me so much. Um, it's just great to be here and... Yeah, thanks. Thanks for letting me come to your show. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Let, I, like, let's get Mon on here. I mean, I people are so excited to hear from you, and we are so excited to hear um, everything and anything that uh, you can contribute because we're so lucky to have you be a part of this game and this sport um, for for so long, and and want to honor you and all that you've done for for the sport of softball. Yeah, keyword for so long. <laughs> I hey. have been a long time. <laughs> We're the same age. You're not. You're not that old. Goodbye. So. <laughs> No comment from me. Uh, Monica, we're so happy to have you here. Uh, I wanted to go back to the beginning of the college days, you know, going to Tennessee, going to play for the Lady Balls. Everybody I've talked to, Patrick Murphy, Amanda Scarborough on on various broadcasts and coaches calls, um, ha have talked about how you're going out to the SEC really opened the door for that conference to become so nationally revered in this sport. What did that in your eyes, do for the sport of softball and for the conference? Um, you know, I think when you're like 18, seven, you know, 17, making a decision like that, you don't really think about it like in that perspective, right? But um, looking back on, you know, obviously I'm far removed from actually playing for Tennessee, but looking back on it now, I really can see uh, the growth that it has and how much once the SEC started to grow, all the other conferences in softball really started to step their game up a lot more. Um, obviously, I was at when I was in college, you know, we were at the kind of like the very start, the very, very start of um, media and TV being public games being broadcasted and just being able to see that growth. Um it has to start somewhere, right? It has to start somewhere. It has, someone has to be inspired. Someone has to challenge people, right? To step their games up. And um, I don't know if I did that, but I hopefully, I, um, you know, my pitching was something that everyone wanted to see and it, it, they took it upon themselves to, um, to have an impact and change the game. I don't know if everybody wanted to see your pitching, including opposing hitters and myself. <laughs> when I put that video out, the first I was like telling the videographer, I was like, you know what? What the best way to do this video would just be to start with humor and just be like, guess what, guys? You no longer have to face me. <laughs> Congrats! You will not, you will never have to face me again, kind of thing. But um. Uh, you know, we went with the more like emotional route, but a couple of really good friends that still play pro and are some epic hitters um, definitely texted me and said that they're like, congratulations, but I'm so happy that I don't have to think I'm sad, but I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. Speaking of uh, pros and Olympians, I was lucky enough to be uh, at the Mary Nutter where Monica threw out the first pitch and was having uh, a nice reception with former pro athletes or pro athletes, uh, Olympians. And, you know, Mon, you made such an incredible speech and really inspiring. And I think um, important for 
not only those girls to hear, but future pro athletes and current D1 athletes. Can you give a little bit of insight on, on your advice to the younger players that are now in the game right now and a little bit on that speech that you gave uh, at the Mary Nutter? Yeah, well, we were in like just like a private group of some of the some of the pros in the game. And I think it does stand true for a lot of our athletes. Um, you know, I think everybody has the one thing, right? Like this is what I told them. And they were asking, kind of asked me, like, what's one thing that helped me throughout my career? And I would say it's not that I really tried to do anything special, like, right. Like everybody practices, everybody works hard. Everybody wants to win, you know, um, and everybody wants to thrive in those moments. But I think any athlete and, and you can look at them, the Olympians, especially the pros, that's like an elite group, right. Even your top college players, every athlete has something that is unique about them. Something unique that, that really like celebrates a part of the game right? Something that they do, whether it's like, I was saying like, this is like, the, you can see the pose behind, you know, that's my pitching pose. Is it when it, I first did it, it was like, why are you doing that ever? Why are you doing it now? We're seeing pitchers doing it all the time, but you know, that was like my signature. And I think as athletes, sometimes we try to be everything to everyone and we try to do it all because we, we want to myself included, but I think at the end of the day, we have to find out what makes you uniquely you in the game. And oftentimes that's lost, right? Uh, every, and I will tell you, every athlete, Olympian that I know, every pro I know, even the top college players, I can watch them and be like, okay, that's what makes her, her in the game. When she does this well, like that's her signature. She's going to have a good game. Um, and then when we get outside of that, that's when, you know, we don't have as good of games. I love that. Um, and, you know, we didn't get into your international career yet, but I think that's really another important and really incredible piece about uh, your career. And can you explain and, and talk a little bit about what it was like to play overseas in Japan and, and what Toyota uh, and the Terriers mean to you and what you've experienced with them uh, in your career there? Yeah, you know, um, gosh, I played for Toyota softball for 14 years. Um, I went in 2009 was my first year after the Olympic Games. And um I'm so grateful to Toyota and the opportunity that I had to play in Japan because it literally allowed me to continue a career. Um, at that time, softball was an Olympic, wasn't in the Olympics. There was a lot of questions about where to play, who to play, um, and how long to play, right? Many athletes were only playing like they would finish college, go to grad school, and then their pro, their pro careers were done. Um, that was the professional story. And Toyota gave me the opportunity to continue my career and to find a different level of play. I don't think um, people realize that is that like, and that's why a lot of athletes are playing longer now. But people don't realize that as you continue to play into your late 20s and your early 30s, you are you find a whole different level of play, you find a whole different aspect of yourself within the game, not only how you 
view it as an athlete, how you view it, view it as a fan, um, and just the concept of play and what it takes for you to be successful. And it's important that we continue to strive to like grow as professionals, grow the international game, grow pro the professional game, because most of these athletes haven't seen the best of them. And if you liked them in college, imagine when they take it up a level. <laughs> I think that's a natural segue to my next question as Monica Abbott joins us here on the D1 Softball Podcast. You know, you've retired now. Kat Osterman has retired. Those are two on my Mount Rushmore of all-time pitchers. <laughs> what is the future of pitching for Team USA going forward? I mean, we saw Montana Fouts at the World Games. Megan Paramo was on that team as well. Kelly Maxwell has had good experience. Mm -hmm. But but what does that position look like going forward for hopefully the Olympics in 28? Well, I think it shows opportunities, what it shows. Um, as anyone knows, Team USA, it's it's kind of like you have your core group and nothing's ever guaranteed. I think we're really going to look to actually Ali Carta to lead us, you know, to lead the national team uh, moving forward. But we have some great opportunity with our young young athletes and uh, Montana Fouts and Megan Faramo. Um, Kelly Maxwell has gotten some experience Um Catherine Sandercock has what has as well. So uh, I think we're going to continue to see the USA softball develop the collegiate athletes um, because, hey, you know, softball is not in Paris, right? It's not going to be in 2024. So that means that we we can't think in a short term plan. We have USA softball has to think in a long term plan for success at the L.A. Games. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and I know we don't have you for that much longer, but I want to I want to ask a question because Monica Abbott, for those of you that don't know, played on the Selena Storm. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> oh I pulling out nuggets. Here. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> so, Mon, what is your favorite Selena Storm memory? It doesn't Selena Storm, it may be just living up in NorCal because I remember those days when Selena Storm would come down to our tournaments and be like, oh my gosh, here comes this lefty. Oh my gosh. What, what are your favorite memory about being on the Selena Storm? Oh man. I So yeah, I, if anyone doesn't know, I played for the Selena Storm and it was just like my hometown club organization. I think they're on like their, this year might be their 50th anniversary or something or 40th. <laughs> so a pretty awesome. Um, but I guess my, some of my favorite memories, obviously going to nationals is really cool. Right. Um, but, and we drove to LA a lot <laughs> to go, to go play against you. <laughs> um, but I think, I think anytime you can go to a national tournament and be on the road, you know, as a teenager, you know, with parents or without your parents, <laughs> it's so fun. Right. Um, and one thing that's really awesome about the Storm organization is, and I tell a lot of people this, is they have their own complex and we built, they built it when I was in the program. So um, I think I played on it my very last year before I went off to college, but we used to have our parent work days or organizational work days out there and I'd be painting the backstop like <laughs> green, <laughs> you know, so um, definitely helped you know, put, put a softball complex together as a 17 year old and painting the backstop. And, but it's cool because it created a lot of pride in not only you have the pride as an athlete, right. But it created a lot of pride in your facilities and the things that it takes to um, build something. 
Wow. She can do it all, folks. Monica Abbott joining us here on the D1 Softball Podcast. Congratulations on a wonderful playing career. Thank you for the memories, and thank you so much for hopping on with us tonight. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mon. Mm. Phenomenal stuff from the legend, Monica Abbott. You know, I've never actually met Monica. I've called one of her games. I've never met her. Tonight (sighs) is our first night meeting. Oh, she's incredible. And yeah. I, I love um, that she's given love to Salinas because she put Salinas on the map uh, too in terms of softball and um, just everything she's done for the sport. An, an incredible ambassador, not only for Team USA, but internationally. And just an honor to have her uh, with us tonight and, and can't thank her enough for, for joining us. Um, so thanks, Mon, for, for joining us. Phenomenal stuff. I feel so good. Let's let's crank it up a notch. It's time to answer questions about the top 25. <laughs> Submit them now. Send in your thoughts. I saw one pop in. Okay, All right. Wait. Here we go. Let's review Fullerton's finishes. They need to be top 25. Okay. Tara, you had them in and I had them out. They were the first team out on my ballot. You can add yep. me if you want. Tara, why did you have them in? And then, then I'll explain why I had them out. Uh, I think for all of those reasons, I think they, in terms of having wins over Florida, uh, Oregon State, uh, Oregon, you know, I think probably the other three would have maybe voted or four of you would have voted had they pulled out that win against San Diego State, you know, tough uh, extra inning uh, loss. But I think watching the Titans and being there in person. That's why I'm a huge fan of the eye test. Like you can take a look at a game and a score, but being there, uh, I just think they're tough. And I do think they they deserve to be in the top 25. And I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they have a good weekend here at the Judy Garmin, if they're in there next week. Tell me your they're, thoughts, Gray. They're going to have some chances for sure at the Judy Garmin. They'll play Michigan, Minnesota, who looked really good this past weekend in Waco a UCF team that has some goodwill, but is struggling and UCLA. So they'll have some chances. Uh, I, I, you know, I still kind of got hung up on the losses. The Mexico trip is so bizarre to me. I mean, you look at how it played out, lose to Kansas, beat Ole Miss, beat Tennessee, lose to a North Dakota state team that could not touch Auburn this past weekend. And then they beat Liberty or I, I like tales of that. I don't know. Uh, also, Uh, I'm not quite sure how highly I have Ole Miss right now. Um, I haven't looked lately at the score of their game tonight against Louisiana, but they're just not living up to the expectations that I had. But I I just, you know, another strong week at the Judy Garmin. They will be in my poll. Okay. I'm going to say. Yeah, you know, I need the consistency. I need the consistency. What other questions have you seen, Tara? Uh, And I'm, I'm actually, we've got one on here. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody likes the rankings? No complaints. I didn't know that was allowed. I mean, I'm all about it. Uh, I uh, I can't I can't, you know, argue against it. Uh on Twitter, but I you know, we've had a lot of comments. I, I think we the OU in general, the OU fans were actually quite nice after uh, the, the big win against UCLA, there were a few on there that were chirping, but not a lot of complaints there. Um, 
I think Clemson, I, I think people had a lot of questions about Clemson and, and, and Florida State. Uh, I still stand by the fact that I think you're looking at Oklahoma, UCLA, Oklahoma State. Uh, I think Florida State's in there, Clemson's in there, and now Tennessee. Uh, what a big weekend for Tennessee. And we, a couple of us had them up higher, I think, for a few weeks. Uh, Gray and I, maybe, and uh, mostly Gray. Uh, so I think we're, we're looking at a Tennessee Vol team that had a pretty solid weekend. Gray, thoughts on Tennessee? Huge win over Clemson. Nobody has been able to stop the Tigers on offense. And Carlin Pickens was able to do that. And I think it, it provided an interesting storyline for the Lady Vols of pitching depth you know we've been asking for years if Ashley Rogers gets hurt who's gonna throw we saw five different pitchers used and Ashley Rogers only had to appear in one game this past weekend in Tampa that is a great sign for Karen Weekly going forward so that that certainly was something that that stuck out to me I know a lot of people were asking about Baylor as well creeping into the top 10 I mean you know a lot of people are like oh that's a little high for Baylor uh, I'm I'm not quite sure. You've got a win over Oklahoma, and their only loss is to Arkansas by four. I mean, it's a pretty good resume. They they smashed Minnesota in one game. They beat Minnesota uh, three to two in the other. They beat a Maryland team that I was very high on. Uh, you could make the argument Baylor's too low at ten in terms of what they've actually produced on the field from the start of this year to right now forget what you thought about them coming into the year from what we have seen Baylor in my eyes is at worst a top 15 team but I think certainly deserving of number 10. Oh yeah I couldn't agree more Gray and I think quite possibly they weren't ranked high enough in the beginning of the season and just had to prove themselves and a win over OU it's obviously huge and Ormy and Binford for them uh, to have incredible outings in the circle uh, for the Bears and uh, it was great to have Glenn Moore on the pod last week. We know we had audio issues. We saw everybody, but we retaped it. So you can go back and, and listen to last week's podcast on uh, Apple and Spotify. Well, I thank you to everybody sending in questions. I appreciate that. Uh, I guess, uh, do you want to ask me about any team in particular, Tara, before we move on? Sorry, Red's having a big old bowl of water, so I, I just was on mute for a second there. Um, <laughs> Texas, let's talk a little bit about Texas and, and what they did this weekend against Virginia Tech. I, I you know, we had our eyes on that game, and uh, I think uh, Virginia Tech, are, they they can hit, uh, and and they got an Emma Lemley. Uh, I think I was able to watch Emma uh, in Florida. Really impressed by her. But how about that Texas Virginia Tech series? What do you got, Gray? That first game was classic Texas mayhem in Austin. They're in control. They're hitting Limley. And then all of a sudden the seventh inning comes, there's a quick out and then boom, boom, boom hits home runs. Virginia tech forces extras. The Hokies find a way to win. You're like, my gosh, what, what happened Texas? And then the second game rolls around and the questions about the staff around Emma Limley emerge. Uh, we saw all, a lot of the other pitchers, around Lindley, um, get work in Clearwater and on, you know, honestly get worked in Clearwater. They just weren't as effective as the stud Emma Limley was in the circle. So I still have questions about the entire staff for Virginia tech. It was really important for Texas to bounce back in that second game. And, uh, I will see them in person in a few weeks when the Alabama Crimson Tide heads to Austin 
for a tournament there with Texas, Texas State, and Wisconsin. Speaking about the Alabama Crimson Tide, any any comments on this weekend, Gray? Or are we just going to keep going? I mean, first off, I'll take the blame. I wasn't there. I was calling women's basketball, so my bad. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, when I was ranking my polls, I, again, was a little bit lower than Alabama, uh, than uh, some of the other ballots. But, I mean, the lineup that I saw on Sunday as I was tracking the game is not one that I'm going to see again this year. I feel fairly confident about that. And I haven't talked to the coaching staff about what happened on Sunday. Is it a bad loss? Absolutely. It's damaging for sure to the tournament profile and, and to what Alabama will hope to have to present to the committee once we get to that time. But do I think it's a harbinger of things to come? Not not really, honestly. I think it was just kind of one of those weird games. So that's my take. Let's talk. <laughs> that's it. Let's talk about the good. It's time for our players of the week. I'm going first. Call Go by if you want. My player of the week is Kinley Kahalen. All I was res- leading you into this. That's what I was doing. I was leading you into it. Good teamwork, Tara. <laughs> All the respect in the world to Carlin Pickens at Tennessee, who threw a gem against Clemson. But we should have had co-SEC freshman of the week this week. Kinley Kahalen, who is 17 years old, the Bama Bash MVP had the game-winning RBI to get Patrick Murphy's 1,200th win at Alabama, had broke the Alabama record for the longest hit streak to start a freshman year, breaking a, a previous mark from set by Haley McClinney, and has now tied Alabama's all-time inside-the-park home run mark with four-time All-American Brittany Rogers three weeks into her career. She also hit 600 this week and scored eight runs, had a hit in every game, Kenley Kahalen is a name to remember going forward. She is going to be a phenomenal player throughout her career at Alabama. All right. I'm sticking, uh, I'm sticking with the Titans here. We're getting a lot of love for Cal State Fullerton because they just, uh, I got to watch them in person. So I'm sticking with Micah Sutherland, 2-0. Shout out CG3 hitter against Oregon. Uh, and then another win, two hitter against Oregon State on the weekend. So Cal State Fullerton Titan, uh, Big West uh, pitcher of the week as well. I'm sticking with uh, Micah Sutherland and the West Coast for player uh, podcast player of the week. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say bias for me picking Kinley, but when she didn't win the award this week, I was all right. Like we have we have to showcase what she did this week. Uh, and, and I think everybody that we talked about, we we threw out McKinney, Alex Taraka was somebody that you mentioned. There were a lot of good performances this week, and I think we're seeing some real stars be born here in this first month of month of the season across the country. Yeah. And we're just getting through tournament season. We're almost to conference play and that's when it's going to start to shake out. So I excited to have just a a bunch of tournaments uh, get going this past weekend and then really get into conference play uh, in the next week here. We said we would talk about the most exciting game of the week in uh, according to six, four, three, Tara, here it is. It's for our good friend Sonia, Mississippi State and Furman. This was a (laughs) heck of a battle in extra innings. It went to 12, and the Bulldogs pulled it out 6-5 on a Selena Daniel solo home run. You know, it was a back-and-forth game, Sonia. Uh, This is for you. Uh, And... 
gosh, I mean, God, look at this. You look at this win probability. Again, these are all up on this site. And to go to 12 innings, uh, again, Selena Daniel with uh, the uh, walk-off. But, you know, she'd make it, made a few miscues on defense and a, and a, a running error, excuse me. Uh, and then for her to come back and, and hit that. Uh, walk off. Uh, what an incredible, exciting game. And so take a look at that Mississippi State Furman 12 inning game. You can go back and watch it. Uh, but that was our most exciting game of the week, according to our friends at 643 Charts. Yeah. And Furman had some good performances from Riley Ludlam, mm. Ashley Likens. Emmy Bizarre in relief was pitching uh, as well as she could. And just, I mean, man, when you get to the 12th inning at some point, something's going to happen and the break fell the way of Mississippi state. So we have talked plenty about last weekend. Tara, let's look ahead. It's time for three big things. Spoiler alert for next week's Where in the World is Tara Henry? The answer is the Judy Garman, Tara, and that's going to be a, another big tournament out west. Yeah, I'll be out at the Judy Garman here in Fullerton. Uh, Cal State Fullerton hosts this tournament. They've been doing this for a long time as well, another one of those old school tournaments. And they'll be hosting UCLA, Oregon, UCF, Michigan, Minnesota, LSU, LMU, Fresno State, Seattle, Cal Poly, San Jose State will all be at the Judy Garmin. So quite a slate out here again uh, at Fullerton. Yeah, and some of the key games I'm watching, Michigan, LSU. We didn't really touch on it. LSU, Louisiana, they did that split and, you know, the visiting team won the games this weekend. Um, an interesting rivalry always. Some phenomenal plays came out of that. How will the Tigers handle a big weekend of travel out to California. And then, you know, Sunday, Fullerton, UCLA. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Fullerton can lose the rest of the games, but if they find a way to demolish UCLA out in uh, out at the Judy Garment or just, you know, play well against them, I'm going to be impressed. And I think we're going to see Fullerton in our rankings very, very soon. Another game and another big thing to watch this weekend, Tara, Kentucky is going to Norman. We talked about the Wildcats earlier. Our dear friend Kayla Kowalik will be leading the charge against an OU team that is all of a sudden just as scary as they were all of last year. This is going to be an interesting litmus test for Oklahoma since it's really their first look at home this year. Yeah, and Kentucky, like I said, they're scrappy and they 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 get it done, put the ball in play, and and again, we're, it's going to be interesting to see who gets the start in the circle for the Wildcats. And uh, Rachel Lawson saw her this past weekend uh, scouting out teams. She, she ran by and uh, just like what she does with that staff and and figuring out what they're going to do moving forward. But I think it's a it's a long game here, a chess piece, and see uh, who's going to start for the Wildcats. Yeah, they will play twice this weekend. I would do Schoonover and Lacatena, but Rachel Lawson does not ask me. That is my opinion. <laughs> One sure more. She doesn't call and ask you? I, she DM'd me on my sarcastic. birthday, which I really appreciate. But no, she does not ask me who's pitching. <laughs> oh, uh, she would. No, well, who knows? The, the third big thing this weekend, Tara. Missouri at Oklahoma State. They play once this weekend. That'll be at Friday. This is the Oklahoma State-Tulsa tournament where they do kind of a little crossover deal. A lot of Missouri people in the mentions today when the poll came oh, out. Yeah. I'm not quite sure why they're ranked. You, you did it. You've also lost 
to a puzzling game to Oregon State. Um, this is a good oh, chance yeah, there to make were a, a lot of, yeah. Stillwater. I forgot about that. There were a lot of mentions uh, in regards to Mizzou, and uh, we're one of the few that might have been out this week. But uh, again, good test against an Oklahoma State team that uh, they straight up mash. And they got Kelly Maxwell in the circle uh, and Lexi Kilfoyle as well. But Kylie Naomi been really impressed with her and what she's done thus far to start the 2023 season. So another great matchup heading into next week. Yeah, something to watch, though. Kelly Maxwell against UTEP went three innings and gave up five earned runs, had had a couple issues giving up a long ball. So just a one-off. Or does Missouri see something in the film or in the scout that maybe allows them to have success against one of the best pitchers in the country? I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the show next week. Or, Tara, the people can read about it on the wonderful website that is (laughs) d1softball.com. It's time to close the show with what's on D1. D1softball.com. What a stupendous URL to type in to that machine where you make all your comments and read phenomenal content. Tara, what is on D1softball.com right now? You know, it's so funny. Everyone, well, not everyone, but I got a lot of questions about where you find scores and how you know who's playing where and what. Uh, there's a website, d1self.com, and there's an app for that. So I always am like, oh, well, actually, there's an app for that. There is an app that you can actually go on and see uh, what games are where and, and who's playing who. But on the site, we'll have everything you need to watch heading into the weekend. Uh, we'll have players of the week uh, heading out tomorrow. But what we learned on the site, what we learned this past weekend from all of the games and uh, power rankings, our power rankings, first ones of the year dropped today, pitcher and catcher power ranking. So head on over to the site uh, and check it out over on D1Softball.com. And shout out to the number one catcher listed by D1Softball.com, Allie Shipman, who is better at trivia than her sister Madison. I'm just trying to put that out there on as many platforms as I can. We mentioned it on the broadcast. Madison did not like that <laughs> this weekend. Uh, but congrats to Allie Shipman. Uh, the number one catcher. And the beautiful thing about it, Tara, is it's a power ranking system. So there are going to be sometimes dramatic shifts each and every week for each of the positions that will be released. Yeah, so obviously you just had mentioned Allie Shipman. She's at the top of the list there. And then Jordan Rudd, she's the number two catcher uh, in the country right now. But again, these will be every two weeks. Kelly Maxwell at the top. Kelly Maxwell, Oklahoma State. Uh, five and zero there, and then Megan Framo in that number two slot. So head on over to the site and check out those power rankings. They will change every uh, two weeks, and uh, all do all on performance uh, the past two weeks. So uh, head on over and let us know what you think. That's at d1softball.com. This is the D1 Softball Podcast presented by S2 Cognition. Don't forget, folks, you can use the promo code Podcast Twenty to read those power rankings and so many other wonderful things with 20% off of an annual subscription week three in the books week four on the horizon, Tara, I keep the upset tracker. I, I watch a ton of softball. I know crazy. We watch you softball. Do? Yes. What will week four have in store? Who knows what we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> Thank you all. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tara Henry. I'm Gray Robertson. We'll see you next time on the D1 Softball Podcast.